TT Pro Talk Podcast, the fastest way to increase your knowledge with the brightest minds of physical therapy in your pocket. Welcome to PT Pro Talk Podcast. I am Ariana Tondo, your host for today. In this episode, Dr. Brittany and Dr. Christie will talk about their views and experience owning a private cash-based clinic, the business they have of educating and mentoring other PTs who want to start their own practice, how to empower women, and much more. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to PT Pro Talk Podcast. How are you feeling today, Christy and Brine? Doing great. Doing well. Thanks for having us. So today we have here um, the two owners of the Nashville Physiotherapy and Performance Clinic. Uh, they have clinics in South Nashville, East Nashville, and Franklin. So I'm really happy to have both of you here. Um, so let's jump right in. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and your trajectory uh, to get where you are right now, both of you as clinical owners? Sure, um, I'll start. So um, I'm Christy Williams, and I graduated from um, Belmont University, their physical therapy program in 2005. So I guess that means I've been a practicing clinician for 15 years, which is hard to believe. Um, but about two years after I graduated, I had the opportunity to start doing some adjunct teaching um, at Belmont um, in their program. And so um, Fast forward several years, and I'm full-time teaching at Belmont now. So um, I've been there for, I'm going into my eighth year of teaching full-time, um, but, you know, still wanted to maintain a level of clinical practice while I did that. So when I went to Belmont in 2013, I realized I just didn't really want to go back to, you know, the outpatient um, corporate setting that I had been in for several years prior to that. So that's when I decided to start my first clinical practice, which was called uh, Velocity Performance and Prevention. And I started that in 2014, just so I had a way to continue to maintain my clinical practice and continue to teach at the same time. Yeah, and my name is Brittany Hendrickson. Um, I graduated from East Tennessee State University in 2009 with my DPT, so it's been 11 years for me. Um, also hard to believe, it goes by really, really fast. Um, I started at a large outpatient group in Nashville in 2009. Uh, well, early 2010, technically, I guess. I wrapped up my last rotation with them in 2009. Um, I, about three years into my practice there, became a clinic director. Um, after another few years, felt a little bit burned out. So they gave me an opportunity to move to um, a different clinic and start a new clinic. So I opened um, an East Nashville clinic for this company. And that sort of reignited the fire a little bit. I, I kind of got excited about um, PT again, but very quickly, um, got burned out uh, beyond that. It was just a very high volume clinic, low contact time with patients um, and continued to work for another couple of years, even though I was, I was sort of one foot out the door already. Um, so in 2018, so two years ago, I decided I can't do it anymore. I'm going out on my own. I'm going to do things my way. And I started Nashville Physical Therapy and Performance. Nice, nice, very nice. I think that's a lot of common in both stories. Uh, I feel I feel the same way of like burnout. 
See, and I'm just, I'm not working for so long here, but I, I graduated in 2011. And since then, I've been just practicing like one-on-one on a private set, setting, but it's in Brazil. So it's very different, the setup from here. <clears throat> and here for me, it's all new, like this new big corporate setup. Um, so I think that's going to be very interesting. I'm excited. I have a lot of questions for both of you. Uh, so how did it happen, the merge of both practices? I can start with that. Um, yeah, go ahead. So <laughs> when I first um, started Velocity, I had several clinicians, friends of mine, um, colleagues, even former students come to me and ask, you know, how did you do that? How did you get out? What did you do? And so um, I basically set up a little mentoring program just to help other clinicians get from point A to point B. You know, when I did it, I had to figure everything out for myself and it took a lot of time, um, a lot of time. And I made mistakes and some of them were costly mistakes. And so my goal was pretty much just to help, you know, help people through that process so that they could, um, not use nearly as much time and not make nearly as many mistakes. And so that's how Brittany and I actually met was, um, you know, through that process. Um, I helped her a little bit when she was getting started. And so after a period of time of, of her and I working together kind of through that mentoring relationship, we realized pretty quickly that um, we really had a lot of the same goals and we ultimately had the same overall mission. And so it just kind of became a little bit organic in that um, we hit it off, became friends pretty quickly as well, and just realized that there was a lot more that we could do together as a partnership than what we could do just independently, you know, as like a one clinician kind of shop. So um, that's how we got to know each other and basically where we grew together to end up with the merger um, for Nashville Physical Therapy. Yeah, I remember the conversation when we sort of decided to go down that path. We were out to dinner, just kind of checking in, hanging out. And um, I said, Christy, I just, I'm at the point where I need to hire help or I just am kind of maxed out. Like I can't do anymore. I'm seeing as many people as I can and still leaving some hours to run a business. I can't grow anymore. And she was kind of at a point where she was in the same boat um, and it was kind of this aha moment of oh, why, why don't we just pair up and do this together instead of each trying to do our own thing and figure out how to navigate growing it. So, um, yeah, so we journeyed down the path of partnership at that point. Yep. That's and nice. we did that um, just this last October was when we officially um, finished up the merger with that. So it's been pretty exciting. Yeah. So everything's pretty new. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, what challenge did you face in the beginning of a practice? It could be like individually, both of you, and then together. So, and how did you deal with all these problems, difficulties, challenges uh, since the, the start? Yeah, I realized pretty quickly um, into getting started that owning a business um, was was a bigger task to undertake than I imagined it would be. Um, and that PT school really trains you to be a PT, not trains you to, to be a business owner and, and start your own practice. Um, what I did learn was with the right help, though, you can get through some of those things and sort that out. And that's where, you know, I reached out to Christy because I had a friend, uh, mutual friend who knew her and had gone out on his own and kind of helped um, navigate me to her so that she could help me. But I think that 
the biggest challenge was the uncertainty, right? You don't go in and have a paycheck that's just automatically coming to you and you don't go in and have a full caseload that somebody else put there. Like you got to go out and um, find them yourself and you sort of, it's a, it's an eat what you kill kind of thing. <laughs> um, and so I just learned that you have to really start to be comfortable with uncertainty. Um, there are no guarantees in, in being self-employed and owning your own business. And um, you just kind of have to suck it up and know that there will be ups and downs along the way and, and figure out how to adapt to it. Yeah, I think the uncertainty is a, a huge one. Um, my biggest challenge, I think, in the beginning was just trying to juggle everything. You know, I mean, it's a lot to be the person seeing all the patients, but then also trying to run the business and juggling that with, you know, my teaching position was um, basically I was just working all the time. Um, you know, like Brittany said, it's it's different when you don't roll in to a clinic where you already have your caseload sitting there for you. It's all the stuff in between. And so that was just taking up a ton of my time. And I quickly realized there was only so much I could grow and so much I could do by myself. So I think my biggest challenge was just, I was getting spread pretty thin and um, just needed, needed the help, needed more manpower. Yeah. I think it's just hard to figure out everything. And so when I had my private practice, it was hard as well. Like you have to go after your clients, you have the, to do the marketing, you have to go on, they have to keep the contact um, in the beginning, like uh, you, you have to schedule, you have to confirm your patients, you have to receive payments, like you have to do everything. So you don't just worry about the treatment itself. So I think it's, it's overwhelming. And, and here, to be honest, I just see that it's few, few uh, private practices and and it's not so common. I don't know if it's like cultural, um, if it's the health system that is different uh, here from Brazil. So I just feel that I feel that here it's harder to start and do something by yourself. I just feel a lot of laws and restrictions and like all of the things. Uh, I just feel it's more complicated. Uh, probably a lot of people feel this way. I don't know if it's because I'm not from here, but uh I've been always like wondering, thinking like, what do I have to do to start my own business? Uh, I know that you have a side business of mentoring and educating physical therapists, as is uh, mentioned. So um, I'm just going to use your words now. How can we give other physical therapists a way to get out of the big box uh, PT rat race uh, that burns most of us and show them another way to do what they love to do and in the way that they want to do it. So could you tell us a little bit more about your side business and how that works? Yeah, so um, the side business, like I said, it started back in 2014 when I started Velocity. Um, I'm just trying to help other clinicians get through some of the nitty gritty with starting the process and um, kind of reaffirming to them, you know, as they go through the steps that they're doing the right thing and um, they didn't forget something. I think that's the biggest thing. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff to keep up with. And, um, you know, now that Brittany and I are partnered, we really kind of had to go through that process again um, together as a partnership. And there's a lot of different things that go into a partnership, you know, um, just planning things out and organizing things and meeting with attorneys. And um, so it really kind of naturally allowed us to step into you know, growing more of the mentoring business, but together as a team um, so that we can be, you know, a couple of 
women who can lead other people, um, especially other women who might be fearful to step out on their own. Um, but we can, you know, be there to help guide them through that process. Yeah, we, um, like Christy said, when we partnered, you know, we had each individually started our own business and we kind of redid that when we partnered. So we've got experience going through this and, and we've made the mistakes along the way. Um, so that hopefully we can teach you to not make those mistakes. Because <laughs> uh, unfortunately, those mistakes often cost you time or money or both. And so if we can help people sort of navigate um, going from that dream of, hey, I think I want my own practice to actually, you know, bringing it to fruition and making it happen and, and hopefully navigating you through without some of those mistakes. Um, you know, that's, that's something that we're pretty passionate about and want to make sure that we can help those other PTs who were just like us and burned out and just kind of done with our profession, um, help them find a new way to, to enjoy it and love it again. So I'm going to make sure that I'm going to put our information on the show notes so people can contact you. The ones that are in the same struggle, they don't know what to do. Um, and they just need someone to guide them and help them to, to pass through this process and have the courage to do it because uh, I think a lot of people want to do it, but just they have no idea how to do it or they don't have the courage to face all the challenges that are going to happen and get out of their comfort zone. Uh, so why would you say to these uh, clinicians that they, they want to start it, but they are afraid or they don't know how to do it, they don't have the, 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 the courage or uh, they are lost, don't know how to start. So why would you, would you say to these clinicians? I would say get a mentor and let somebody help guide you through the process. Um, we, we would love to help you. You know, if you're somebody who is out there going, man, I want to do this. And I just don't even know where to start. Um, find somebody who can help take you through that process. Yeah. There's a lot of great books out there that can help as well, just depending on what stage of the game you're in. Um, there's some business courses that you can attend. Um, I think all that is really good. Those things helped me quite a bit in the very beginning. Um, and still today, I still, I, I love reading more and more and just any kind of business book that that's helpful. Um, you know, I think a big thing is just learning in business. You learn pretty quickly that, um, you, you're not good at everything and you're not expected to be good at everything. You don't have to be a professional in every aspect of the business. Nobody is in any business. So I think you just have to realize kind of where your strengths and weaknesses lie and know that there's other people out there that are professionals and can help you. You know, I mean, um, everybody needs that assistance and that's where, you know, as Brittany said too, I think the mentoring is so important because it's just somebody to help guide you along that way and help point you to different professionals who can help you. So, um, PTs, I think, are the types of people I know I am. I know a lot of my students are. We're the types of people who want to know all the details before we start something. We want to know everything and have that laid out and know how it's going to end, too. Um, but you just got to go. You just got to pull the trigger and you just got to go and take the leap um, if it's something that you're passionate about. And you don't have to know everything before you start because you're, you're not going to. Um, but you'll learn it along the way. And those things that you you know, aren't good at, you're going to find professionals who can help you with that. And ultimately that's, that's how it works out. And that, and it does work out. It works out great. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that from both of you. 
And what I, I think is so amazing that both of you are women uh, starting their own practices. So I think that's awesome because most entrepreneurs that we see, generally speaking, are men. So I think it's that's that's great. And how can we empower more women to do what they want to do uh, and, and help them to get to be their own bosses and start their own business? I think that if you see big clinics, usually the the the, the ones that do everything are men. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so we realized um, that there are other business courses, there are other mentors out there for PTs who want to start their own business, but they're they're all men, um, and and nothing against men, they're great, we love them, but um, I think that some women may be intimidated by the fact that there are no women out there going, "Hey, you can do this," you know, we did it, you can do it too. Um, and so we, we want to be an example to those women, right? We, we both started our own business. We were both successful enough that we had to find a way to, to you know, grow, whether that was hire more people or partner together, which we chose the partner route. Um, but, you know, we're all in the same boat here. We can all do this. Um, and so we, we just really are passionate about showing other women. And not that we only mentor women. We, um, you know, would be happy to mentor some men along the way as well, but uh, we're really passionate about helping women realize that they too can start their own business, be successful, grow it, and and kind of achieve their their dreams that they've had um, for their career. Yeah, I've taken many and women through this program. Um, I do think there is a little bit of a level of intimidation um, that may be a, a, a bit more apparent with the women than the men. But I think the biggest thing is... Um, that women have the skill set, you know, I mean, intimidated or not, they have the skill set, they can definitely do this. Um, a lot of that concern is just, you know, do they know how to do the running of the business part? Or um, I hear a lot of concern and angst about the financial component. And um, it's not that bad. You know, I think the biggest message I want other women to hear is that it's not that bad. And what we really do in our program um, is we really just try to simplify everything and break it down. I mean, that's part of teaching. That's part of what makes a good mentor and a good teacher is just breaking it down and simplifying it so that we can make some of those a um, little bit more challenging parts or maybe intimidating components of it just more user-friendly and less intimidating. And women have the skill set to do every bit of it. There's, there's no def deficit there whatsoever. So I think it's just having somebody you know, encourage them and provide them with that level of empowerment that they, they can do it too and just show them how. I think naturally men, they are always leaning more toward the business side uh, historically. So I think it's just a little harder for us uh, to step up and like own it, like we can do this. Uh, so I think that's important to, to talk about this and to uh, encourage women to take the step and make a decision and, and go for it, right? Um, so, uh, I see that the prevention is very strong on your clinic. Um, I was taking a look at all of that. It's like, it looks like a big part of your clinic. And I think, uh, the, the full circle, um, physical therapy wellness service that you do the full body strength and the mobility assessment. And I think that's very unique. We, it's not common to see that clinics offering the service. And I think it's very important. But also we know that I imagine it would be probably hard to educate the patients about the importance of prevention. 
So um, how do you think that your patients are accepting that or like what they say about it? Like, can you educate in them and tell them the importance of the prevention? Um, are they willing to do that? So how does that work in the, on the practice? So prevention is hard to sell. <laughs> there is no doubt it is hard to sell. Um, you know, if somebody's already gone through something and they've already had an issue in the past, um, they get it, you know, so prevention's a little bit easier to sell if somebody's already been down that road. But um, in general, it is hard to sell because everybody kind of has the same mindset and I'm guilty of it too, of like, oh, well, that's not going to happen to me. Um, but I think one of the big keys for us is just engaging um, several different community partners. So we tend to build, you know, some partnerships or community, just, you know, not business partnerships, but just, um, you know, we work together with different gyms, um, some personal trainers, just different healthcare professionals that we all have the same goals. We all want to help that individual. So if we can help prevent some injuries um, to where those clients, those mutual clients can stay healthy and stay in the gym, working with their personal trainers and different things like that. I think that helps a lot because people who are already trying to do good for themselves by being in a gym or working with a trainer, they're already in that mindset of wanting to be healthy. And, you know, I think prevention of injury while they're trying to maintain that ability to be healthy and do the right thing is really important. So we, um, we communicate a lot with, with our partners that way um, so that they are helping to sell it to their clients as well. Yeah, and we educate our current patients on the importance of progressing from, you know, treating an injury and getting them better into, okay, now how do we prevent this from happening again? Or how do we prevent other things from getting to this point? So educating those current patients that we're seeing on the importance of following up with a wellness plan where maybe we're doing some regular check-ins to check strength and mobility and movement patterns and those things and try to get ahead of, you know, things that may become an injury if they start a new activity or they have a sudden increase in their volume of something. Um, I think it's easier to get those people to buy into that prevention aspect because they've just been through treating something that that's already become a problem um, than it is to just kind of sell it to the general public. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think that's a big part of physical therapy that is not very well explored. So people don't really talk about it and don't don't have that on their clinic because our model is different, right? Just they just go there when they are needing and they are injured. And uh, I remember when I used to participate on during my college of a um, like a extension program that we used to treat just athletes. And we had a big prevention part. So I think that was pretty cool. But like other than that, I don't remember seeing um, clinics that have that part well developed and, and the, the, the people are really going there to, to do prevention. So I think that's awesome and very important. And now I think one of the fears that people have, uh, or they, at least I think about that, uh, is the fear of people are going to be willing to pay for the, the visit. Um, because we all know that if you're providing a better treatment, more quality, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, you can give the client all the attention that the client deserves and it's going to probably improve faster. If you compare to traditional physical therapy, probably he's going to need way more visits and maybe paying co-pays 
And in the end, it could end up being the same thing or even more expensive than doing private physical therapy and get the results faster. So how do you see that on your, uh, on your clinic? And the culture, I think the insurance here is very strong. So the culture of pain, I don't know if it's that on the, the clients are thinking this way. So what are your, your point of view in regards to that? Yeah, um, so we operate as an out-of-network or cash-based clinic. So people are paying, you know, us directly for their services. And then if they choose to try to get reimbursed, they can um, from their own insurance company. But, you know, it's intimidating at first to not only put yourself out there and start a business, but then have to ask people for money, right? And and most of the time when you get started, you're the person doing that. You don't send them up to mm -hmm. a front desk and say, okay, go check out up front. And it's kind of off. <laughs> you at that point like you're you're like all right hand over that card <laughs> um, and but honestly it really was surprising to me how many people were totally on board to invest in themselves and um, I think that we just have to educate those potential patients that come to us about the difference between you know what they get with us or what they get with kind of a, a standard model of PT you know really explaining, look, I know you have insurance, but chances are you're paying that deductible first anyway, and you're paying that full out-of-pocket cost for it. And people don't realize that, um, especially people who haven't been to PT before. They're used to going to the doctor and just paying a copay, and that's it. Um, so I think in some ways that works to our advantage, because there are so many high deductible plans where people are paying full cost anyway. Well, you're going to pay for the full visit and get 15 minutes with the PT, or you're going to pay full visit price and get an hour with a PT, which one would you rather do, you know? And, and so I think that, um, that has helped us in being able to sell that to people, but really just, you know, if, if you just say, Oh, here's what we charge per visit and that's it. And don't give that patient the explanation for why we do what we do. I think we've lost them. So there's education that goes into just getting them into the, into the clinic in the first place, but most people get it. And, and, are more than willing to pay for something that is quality for them. Yeah. And I think it's been really helpful to be upfront with them. So they know what the price, the cost of their care is going to be right from the get go. Um, our big motto with our business and our company in general is we want, we treat our patients like we want to be treated when we see a healthcare professional. Um, so we really value quality time with a healthcare professional. We don't want the person who's in and out and juggling multiple people or, you know, you only get five minutes with them. We want the person who's going to sit down and give us their time because um, we value that. And so that's what we, you know, we educate our patients that that's, that's how we operate. Um, but we also give them that cost up front so that there are no surprises. Um, we also, I don't know of anybody who loves to get the surprise bill in the mail three months later after they've seen a medical <laughs> practitioner, but by the time it gets billed to insurance and then the company gets paid and then they send you the bill, there's a long time that passes. And I mean, just earlier this year, I got a bill three months later for an appointment I went in for and I'm like, I don't even remember what I went in for, you know, but all of a sudden there's this $300 bill in the mail and it's just like, well, nobody likes that, you know? So I think... I think there's a, a trade-off sometimes with, hey, I know this is what the cost is going to be. I can submit it to my insurance if I want to for out-of-network out of coverage um, or use my HSA, which I'm putting money into anyway for this very reason. So I think when people know that up front and they know what that cost of care is going to be so they don't get the big surprise, scary thing on the back end, um, I think they're, they're way more open to that than you know what I would have thought, honestly, in the beginning. So it's worked out pretty well. 
education, right? You have to educate them all the way through. And in the end, if you see paying the deductibles, it's it's probably not worth it comparing to the private treatment. So, and I think most people don't know that. So I think we have like a long way to educate everybody and and show the the importance and the difference between the two uh, types of treatment. Uh, I saw on your website that you are um, seeing patients through telehealth as well. So how has uh, that going, the implementation of telehealth? Uh, uh, did you used to do that before the before the, the COVID or that was something that you would start after? And I know Christy is McKenzie certified. I am uh, certified as well. And you know that it's a little easier for us that we are not uh, we don't have to put our hands on the patients all the time. So how is that process going with you? Yeah, we love telehealth. Um, we were not currently doing it before COVID hit. Um, we had the capability through our software system that we use to add it at any point in time. So for us, it was literally like a phone call and boom, we were up and operating. So we were operating pretty quick with telehealth um, once COVID hit and the McKinsey background has been awesome. You're exactly right. Um, you know, a big part of McKinsey training and McKinsey intervention is to, you know, empower the patient to be able to manage their pain and their, their condition themselves. And so, you know, we do lay our hands on patients, but when needed, it's usually not the first thing. It's usually the last thing. If the patient can manage it, we try to teach them so they can remain independent with it. And we've found that, um, so that's been really helpful from, you know, from my background. Um, it was a, fairly natural progression, but we have found collectively um, with all of our um, clinicians that telehealth has just been really empowering um, for everything. You know, I mean, it really forces the patient into the driver's seat of managing their condition. And um, we found we've been able to do a really great evaluation um, virtually, and we've been pretty spot on with some things that then if we later follow up with the patient in the clinic, um, it's, it's been really good. It's been, again, it was a surprise to me because you, you think, oh, how could we ever function as therapists if we can't lay our hands on the person to assess them? But, you know, we learned so much movement training and functional assessments and all this kind of stuff that really, there's a lot we can do virtually. Um, and I think overall, it really helps to empower that patient. Yeah. You know, telehealth was something that we always talked about doing um, prior to COVID, but we sort of got forced to do it once that hit. Um, but I think it was a good, a good thing. You know, I, like Christy said, we really have loved it. Um, I was a little intimidated by it at first because I am Maitland trained. So I'm a COMT, right? I touch all my patients and um, to suddenly not be able to do that. It really kind of made you like, reprogram your brain like how am I going to treat this person if I can't put my hands on them um but you know I think and this is not stuff I learned in school hopefully I think you know Christy has talked about how they're teaching some of the just a little more of kind of the pain science aspect of things and being able to just sit down and talk to somebody about their symptoms and talk about why they're having them and talk about you know what's okay to do and what's not okay to do I very quickly learned that um, sometimes our, our education and the power that we have in educating a patient can be just as important or more important than putting our hands on them. It just calming someone's mind down about what's going on and letting them know, 
you know, there's a solution. We're going to find it. I can teach you some of these manual techniques, right? I can teach you how to use a lacrosse ball to loosen up a tight sore muscle or a trigger point somewhere. Um, and so trying to take my manual techniques that I would ordinarily do and have teach the patient to do them and educate them on why they're doing it and how to do it um, really was, was pretty, a pretty amazing shift in my practice. So, um, you know, I came around my, my Maitland brain was able to figure out how to treat people without putting my hands on them. <laughs> well, and I remember telling Brittany too, when all of this first hit, when we first implemented telehealth, I remember telling her one day, I, I said, Brittany, I swear I would pay double to go see my doctor virtually versus driving downtown Nashville, parking in a parking garage, going through the hospital, sitting in a waiting room for what could be five minutes, could be 35 minutes, who knows. If I just knew that I had to just click a button and I could have that conversation and skip all the other stuff, oh, the time it would save and the hassle it would save. So I'm like, I swear I would pay double for that appointment just so I didn't have to deal with all the other stuff. And so that was kind of a light bulb moment for us too, where it's like, you know, this is a huge convenience factor and it can really help our patients save a lot of time um, and a lot of frustration. Just, I mean, traffic is not going away in Nashville. We know that. Um, so I think it's, I think it's something that will, we definitely plan to continue it. Um, we want to keep it a, a part of, of NPT moving forth. So we're excited about it. Yeah, and I think it requires from us uh, to improve our education abilities because we have to be good at it uh, to do this online. So uh, I think you just find new skills that we have to uh, improve all the time. And how is the, the, your clients, like how they are accepting that? Like, are they enjoying, are they being resistant? So what do you, what do you see? So far I've been great. I recently had somebody who um, was doing some in-person treatment um, they were actually not in Nashville. It was um, in Tennessee, but um, he was going to regular PT and doing okay. Um, so he thought, but then when COVID hit, they kind of had to stop for a bit and whatever. And um, we were connected through a mutual friend and um, we started doing some telehealth sessions and his comment after the second visit, he's like, I have learned more in two visits than what I've just done in 12 and in-person care. He's like, this is awesome. And that's when I was like, you know, you're right. You do have to ask more detailed subjective questions and, and different things. You gain a lot more information subjectively, um, but you can still take a lot of great objective measurements. We're learning that as we go and finding some, some great connections with that. And so um, you're right. I think it, it makes us, it forces us to focus more heavily on spending that pure quality time with them. And then the education component of it is so huge. So it's been, it's been a real positive um, for our clients so far. And that's a great thing because I think one of the number one complaints about the current medical system, and we'll hear it from patients all the time. They go to the doctor, they get a couple minutes, they don't feel like they're heard. They don't have their questions answered. Um, and so like Christy said, that kind of forces us to really ask more questions, listen to the patient because we can't put our hands on them. And I think that that's a big thing for the patient to feel heard and feel understood and feel like they got the answers to their questions that they needed. And also you are a hundred percent of the time there. You don't have any distractions. It's just yeah. you and the patient through the screen. So I, it forced both of you to focus more on that time on the, to the treatment. So I think that's interesting. And Christy, I know um, you are associate professor um, in the School of Physical Therapy at Belmont University. 
so what subjects do you teach there? And uh, do you think that the colleagues are preparing the physical therapists uh, to start like their own business or uh, how do you think the colleagues can help uh, the students in regard to that? Yeah, so um, I teach anatomy um, in the fall. And so that's a pretty time intensive course. We do full um, cadaver dissections with that course. So a lot of lab time. And then in the spring, I'm in kinesiology labs. Um, we're doing manual muscle testing, goniometry, so clinical uh, skills. And I also teach a pathophysiology course, which is primarily orthopedic based pathologies. Um, and then, of course, there's a research component that's a part of the program from when they come in as first years all the way through third year. So um, there's teaching associated with that as well. So um, to the business question that you asked as it relates to PT programs, you know, I'm a little bit biased because my program does have um, a business course as a component of it. And I was fortunate enough um, to have gone through that program myself. And so you know, when I was in the program, we built a clinic from the ground up. It was part of our, our business course. We had to go through the entire process, and it was an incredibly time-intensive um, a, a group activity. Um, it was like the entire semester was this one project, and, you know, it was really helpful. It was really beneficial. Um, you know, I think some of the challenges with PT programs is that when you're a student and you're in PT school, your goal is just to be a clinician. I mean, you just want to get out and start putting some of your clinical skills to work and you're not really thinking yet about, I'm going to start a business right away, you know? So um, for the programs that have business courses, I think it's challenging sometimes for the students because they may not be completely tuned into that course because it's not maybe directly applicable to them at that moment. Um, they're more, you know, just focused on the clinical aspect of things. But when I went through the program and when I went through the business course, I swore up and down there was no way in this world I was ever going to have my own business. Um, I knew that. I was 100% convinced of that. I grew up in a family business. So I know the time that it takes. I know the stress that comes with it. Um, and I was an absolute no-go. But here we are several years later and I have two businesses. And so you, you just, you never know. So it was helpful for me to go back to my course notes and look back at things. Um, so I think it's a huge benefit for PT programs to have a level of business education as a part of them. But I do realize that not all programs have that same, you know, have that as a component of it. So I, I highly recommend that programs have that as a component. I think it's really important because that student you, you never know what they're going to choose to do later on in life. Um, and so I think having just a general background is really, really important. And I think that will help to, you know, promote more private practice development in the future if we can engage and encourage a lot more business education within the programs. And how about you, Brene? Did you have something like this on the college? So definitely not to that extent. Actually, Christy and I had this discussion and I was like, man, I don't know if we just didn't have one or if like Christy said, we're just so focused on trying to learn the clinical skills that you just don't even take it in. I do not remember having one. Um, we may have covered it in a, in a portion of something. I know we had like a, like a leadership class, but I don't remember it being like, I definitely didn't draw up a plan for how do I start my own business and what's it called and um, all of that. So, you know, if we had something, it was so small that it it's gone from my memory at this point. So, you know, I do think it's helpful. I do think, um, you know, 
we're in a very insurance dominated and large group and physician owned practice, um, you know, kind of outpatient setting for PTs that I think a lot of the private practice stuff sort of slips through the cracks, but I think it's really important to try to preserve that for, you know, PTs who um, are the, are the future of our profession and give them the option to just, you know, that, Hey, here's, here's a route that you can take. You don't have to do it now, but tuck it away in your brain somewhere. So if you want to do it later, you, you kind of have that um, base level knowledge of, of where to go if you want to start a business. Yeah. I had in the last semester of my college administration uh, course, but it wasn't like uh, Christy mentioned, like business plan, how to build it from the start, uh, from the beginning to the end. I think that's awesome because I know that here, most people when they graduate, they go to the big companies and work for them. It's safer. Uh, they have to pay their loans, put money in their pockets. And I remember when I was graduating in Brazil, we don't have this culture of big companies because the insurance pays so badly that nobody wants to work through insurance. So when you graduate, you're pretty much on your own and you have to go and figure it out. And then I remember one time one teacher told us like how to calculate per hour, how much you have to make, how many clients you have to have, something very briefly. And that's all I got. And then I think it's very hard because we don't know anything about it. And a lot of us are actually not even thinking about this during college. Uh, but then like after that, when you graduate and you know, like I'm on my own, like I don't, nobody's going to hire me. Nobody hires physical therapists in Brazil. It's not like here. So I think it, it forces you even more to do something about it. And you just go and start and try to figure out. So I think that's, that's so amazing when you have during your college program, something to guide or at least give an idea Probably you're not going to start right after, but at least you have an idea and you, you know more or less what to do. So I think that would be great if all, all universities did something like Christy mentioned. I think it would be super helpful. And as we transition to the end here, I have the three final questions that I always ask to my pro guests. So uh, what is our favorite resource of information? Do you have any specific book or a paper that you like in particular? Yeah, you know, I um, love, somebody told me this a few years back and it was one of the best little pieces of information that I got. Uh, if you're trying to keep up with, you know, the latest evidence and, and things in our profession, um, you know, you've got to sit and flip through a journal and look at stuff or start pulling stuff off the internet. Somebody told me get on Twitter or even Instagram um, and follow some of these big name researchers or follow journals and they'll just put out little pieces of, hey, new study about such and such. And it's so much quicker and easier to kind of scan through and find like, ooh, something about, you know, runners. That's, I, I treat a lot of runners. Great. I want to check out that article. And then you can go right to it and find it and not have to dig your way through a bunch of information. So um, I tend to actually kind of scan um, social media for my journals and kind of some of my favorite researchers um, and keep up with what's going on, you know, with the latest um, research and evidence. Yeah, I, I like some of the magazines that come out through the ABTA. You know, if you're an ABTA member, there's magazines that will come out and um, I'm a private practice member of through the ABTA and there's a, a magazine that comes out with them or a, um, a monthly, you know, 
it's not a journal, but um, yeah, it's kind of like a magazine, but it just gives you the updates of what's current. But um, I'm a total nerd when it comes to books. So I nerd out on a whole lot of different books, but not specifically PT related books, but just, you know, business development or, you know, personal development or anything. So I have a big shelf full of all of my favorites anyway, with notes inside of them and, you know, stickies and highlighted parts and all that other kind of stuff. So I, I could, I have a lot of books that I would recommend, but for me, the right book is just getting that, getting the right book at the right time is what makes all the difference. So it's like what, what you need to work on in your life at that point in time, I think is what makes, makes the book the best is just that timing component. I think that was a great tip, uh, Brene, about the, the, the social media because we use in so many ways. So you should use in like a useful way and check that out and have our practice based on the, these evidences, right? Because everything changes. New studies coming up, uh, old practice that they are not currently anymore. So like new techniques are coming up or they show something doesn't work. Now this works best. I think it's just important to keep yourself updated. So that was great. Um, and a second question. So what would be the best advice you give to the clinicians that are starting their careers? I would say the best advice would just be that all experiences are learning experiences. Um, again, I think we're so type A, so driven, so motivated to just have everything be perfect. I think so many PTs when they get out of PT school, they're just so worried about landing in the perfect job. Um, and they put so much stress on themselves to find that. And, you know, I think all experiences are learning experience. So whether it's a positive experience, if it's not, not the best experience, if it's one in which you were hugely successful or one that you feel like you failed in, um, you know, you learned with all of those. And so I think it's important just to continue to remind new clinicians that, our field is so broad and that's what's just awesome about it. Um, not only are we trained to be able to treat so many different types of patients, but, um, you know, we can do health, you know, we can do, we can take care of people who are injured. We can take care of healthy individuals, you know, work on the prevention aspect of it. We can work with other healthcare professionals in so many unique ways. So I think trying not to stress so much about finding the perfect thing, but realizing that since we have such a broad profession, um, sometimes you just got to think outside the box and if you're not happy doing what you're currently doing, like there's, you'll find, you can find something. If you put your mind to it, you can find something, um, and you will, that you will love. Um, but it does sometimes require you to think a little bit differently and, um, maybe that's not working for a large corporation or working for a hospital system. Maybe it is venturing out on your own. Um, but there's, there's something out there for everybody. Yeah, I think that it's good to remember um, that there are other ways to provide PT and other ways to, um, you know, showcase our, our skills and help people um, without having to join a large practice or without having to join a hospital system or a physician-owned group or something like that. I think in school, um, that's, you know, unfortunately... School teaches you how to go be a PT for someone else most of the time. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to, to do that. There are other options out there. There are other ways. I know it's intimidating to graduate. Maybe you've got loans and you just need that job so you can make money so you can pay those back. But um, 
you know, I think that that catches up with a lot of us in the form of burnout down the road. And so just knowing that there are other options out there to still love what you do. Um, and, you know, focusing too, we've got such a big skill set where we can focus on wellness and prevention. And that is just almost an untapped market um, in our country with, with physical therapists. You know, everybody tries to go get a massage or go work out with a trainer or, um, you know, but very few people seek out PT to help prevent injuries. And so I think we've, we've got a really big opportunity there um, in the future to kind of move our profession more into that wellness and prevention arena. Um, and my final question, uh, what personal abilities or qualities that you think are important to become a successful physical therapist? I would say, and this is very much how we run our business. One of our primary kind of core values is just, um, just do the right thing. You know, just the golden rule you were taught it as a kid. I think sometimes we just forget that it's that simple. Um, but you know, if you treat your patients the way you want to be treated and give them some grace, you know, I mean, everybody, not everybody's in a good state at that, what, whatever time they need your help, you know, they may be going through something pretty major. Maybe it's their physical, you know, issue, or maybe it's something completely separate from that, but everybody's got stuff they're dealing with. And I think if you give them, just give them some grace, meet them where they are, serve them, respect them, which I think are qualities that every physical therapist has inherent to them because that's why they wanted to be a physical therapist in the first place. But, um, but just treat people like you want to be treated and go above and beyond to do that. I think to me, that is what will help you as a physical therapist, but in business, um, obtaining new business, keeping your clients. Um, I think that's, I think that's one of the most important skill sets. And I think it's, I think we learned it when we were kids. I don't think it's something we learned recently. I think it's something we've always known. Yeah. I think that you need to understand the power of hearing somebody, not just listening to them, but hearing them. Right. Um, and then using and, and understanding the power of our words that we give back to them when we see them and how that can influence their, you know, their current state that they're in and their outcome and um, their mindset about their injury that we're dealing with. I think that there's so much that we can do to help change somebody's life, right? And change the way somebody feels that doesn't have anything to do with exercises or hands-on techniques. I think that the power of our words um, and, and always remembering the power of our words that we have with patients uh, can, can make or break your, you know, treatment session or make or break your interaction and experience with that patient and their experience with physical therapy, right? Um, the more we have patients who feel heard, um, the more those people are going to tell somebody else about physical therapy and what it did for them and not just walk around going, oh, I did PT, it didn't work for me. Um, but I think that that really hearing the patient and then thinking about the words that we give back to them um, is just a huge, huge way to be successful. Yeah, I think sometimes we, we can't forget that the, the, we're treating a patient as a whole, right? So he has his necessities, he wants to be heard. Um, and if you give this complete treatment, just not uh, seeing him physically and paying attention to everything, I think that makes all the difference. 
even on your results, because you're not treating just like a shoulder or just an elbow, there is like all a history behind everything and understanding everything that's going on with the patients uh, just helps us um, to, ha to have better results and the patient satisfaction as a, as a whole, right? So if people want to know more information about you, about your clinic, about your um, mentoring program, how can they find this information? Yeah, so they can reach out to us. Um, our website is nashvillept.com. Um, if, you know, somebody is interested in the mentoring program and you're like, oh man, this, this is what I needed to hear. I'm ready to start doing my own thing. Um, you know, reach out to Christy. Um, and that her email is Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-I at nashvillept.com. Um, you can also just head over to our website and shoot us a little message through the website and um, we can start a conversation that way. But yeah, probably the web is the, the best way to get a hold of us. Yeah, so I just want to thank you both of you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And uh, I'm sure a lot of physical therapists that are going to listen to, to, to this podcast uh, uh, it's going to help them. It's like, yeah, maybe that's what I needed. And it's so good to hear that and get encouraged uh, from people that are already doing that. So uh, I'm, I'm very thankful uh, for both of you being so generous and sharing um, with, all, with us all this information. Um, thank you so much for being here. Any, anything else that you want to add before we end this? I'll just say thank you so much for having us. Um, we would love to, our goal is to help other people. Um, so if, and that's patients, obviously that's why I'm, we're in patient care, but it's PTs. Um, you know, that's why I'm, I'm in education is to help the new PTs and why we are doing the mentoring program. Um, we're, we're here to help. So we, we get excited, like, like legitimately excited when somebody wants to venture out on their own and do their own thing and they reach out to us. So um, I appreciate you so much for having us. And um, if anybody has any questions, we would love to, we'd love to help in any way that we can. So we, we encourage people to reach out. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. This was um, a real honor to be on here and, and talk about what we do and how we started and hopefully we'll inspire um, some other burned out PTs out there to be able to, to go do their own thing and realize that they can, they can do it and they can succeed. And there are people like us here to, to help you do that. I'm sure we will. I'm, I'm sure, pretty sure. And, and I think that's it, like sharing information and helping each other. I think that's wonderful. Uh, our profession just, just has to grow with this, right? So just um, we are helping each other, and and I think that's the that's the idea, that's the goal, right? Um, so thank you so much, and I hope you have a good rest of your day and a good week, girls. Thank you. Questions, suggestions, or topics you want to hear about? Talk to me on ptprotalk.com. Join our email list to receive updates and new episodes, and subscribe here. Tell your friends about it and be sure to share. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. We are going to publish today's video recording on my YouTube channel, so you can check the link out in the show notes. Thanks for joining us and I'll see you next time.